Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker, Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, the Hacker Maker. And each episode, I have a unique guest sharing their story on how they got into cybersecurity and sharing their tips and tricks for you to get started. If you're an aspiring security professional or those just wanting to advance your career or if you just like a good origin story. And today I'm very excited to have Tanisha Martin joining. Tanisha is a very amazing member of the community, doing a lot for people, not even only just her own organization, but around other organizations as well. She's a board member of several different groups out there, and it's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I am a big fan of yours. So, um, you know, when someone made this connection, I was like, yes, please. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan of yours as well. I love what all, what all you're doing. I mean, it's just really great to see people giving back. I mean, it's what we need, and especially in these days when, you know, there's so much just drama in the world. And sometimes people don't feel like there's people that care. And sometimes just knowing someone cares is sometimes that's just the, that's part of the battle. Oh, definitely. I agree. Um, I feel like with so much stuff going on, um, it is hard to focus on like, you know, making sure that everybody else's lives are better. But I, I, I find that it helps me kind of avoid, you know, the calamity that's in my own life on a regular basis. So um, I, I tell people all the time, like, I am so much better at fixing other people's lives than my own. Isn't it funny how it's so much easier when someone else asks you advice, you could give it to them quickly, but when you're trying to figure out something that you want to do yourself <laughs> or you need to do, <laughs> that, that's kind of like me, you know, I've been powerlifting for years and I have someone want me to write them up a workout so I can do that pretty quickly. But if I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, it's just, I overthink it. <laughs> I, I, I am actually going through a little bit of that uh, myself. Um, I used to actually do um, CrossFit and, um, you know, I would go in wow. there and they would tell me what to do every day and it would be like, you know, hey, just get it done. Um, so, you know, we um, we moved, we built a, a gym into our uh, garage. And so I'm like, I've got the gym. I've got no excuses. Just go out there. And then I'm trying to find, you know, what's the best way to, to get myself motivated? What am I going to actually do when I get in there? And um, my husband used to lift competitively in, in college. So, you know, I'm like, you know, Hey, why don't you come tell me again? Oh, cool. Um, you know, but he, I am also his wife. So he's like, you know, you need to focus. You need to be more dedicated. And <laughs> <laughs> so I, I completely understand. <laughs> so, uh, for the folks joining that don't know of you, why don't you kind of share your background, kind of how you got started? Um, absolutely. So, uh, Tanisha Martin, I'm the executive director and founder for Black Girls Hack. Um, we are a nonprofit organization that is set up out of Virginia um, to help increase diversity in cybersecurity um, and the executive suites. Uh, we provide training, mentoring, and resume review um, for people who are trying to get into cybersecurity. And I say people because um, even our organization is called Black Girls Hack. 
Um, we've got a little bit of everybody within the organization. Everybody's welcome to come and hack with us. Um, we're just trying to make sure that there's more representation in the field of cybersecurity um, and in various careers, specifically um, in my uh, career field, which is penetration testing and ethical hacking. So um, I'm trying to you know, see more lady hackers um, you know, in the space. Um, and I think, you know, form the world domination plan for whatever that is, um, in leadership. So for me, that's CISO, but, um, for other people, it could be, you know, almost anything. So, um, that, that's pretty much what I, I do. Very cool. And I actually got to, I came, came and checked out the village at, uh, DEF CON this year. That's great that you, you all were out there. Oh, yes. And really good. Absolutely. We had, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, we have uh, Girls Hack Village. Um, I, I always forget about that. That's like the latest thing that we, we, we started doing. But um, this was our first year. Um, and we had such an amazing turnout at uh, DEF CON. Um, we had a lot of uh, women speakers who came and talked about their research, their careers, you know, basically their experience in an industry where, you know, we are very much so the minority. So that was, you know, amazing. This The level of support of people who came out in a just came to the village and just supported what we were trying to do. Every time I, I came around, you had, a, you had a full house and and it was great that you were letting others kind of participate too, like uh, Raices. That was cool that you yes. let, let them join join your village too. That was nice. Yeah, I'm actually an advisory board member for Raices. Um, I am very big on um, the ability to be able to take over the world together and collectively as opposed to trying to do it as individual people. So you know, I feel like that for my my brothers and sisters over at Rice is that they have very much so the same types of, you know, issues that affect their community as the ones that affect mine. Um, and, you know, I feel like we can be able to work together to, you know, just raise our profile and to be able to just get, um, you know, more people who are listening. That's great. And too, I think it's whenever you join forces with others, you know, there's nothing but good that can come out of it. I mean, you're, you're able to build your network bigger. You know, the bigger your network, the easier it is to get jobs and, and um, you know, easier to find people in your organization when you know, when, you know, your organization needs to hire from the outside. Oh, absolutely. Um, I can tell you, um, having been in the working force for, you know, 15, 20 years at this point, that I have absolutely tried to approach like my career and my job search and just, you know, the working world as an individual. And I have so much more effectiveness um, when I, you know, actually work with other people and actually develop a network and try to use it. Um, I have tried to, you know, out educate people, out, you know, qualify people just to make it so that, you know, nobody can question whether or not I'm qualified for a position. And what I found is that, you know, I am still able to get further in my career through networks and through people than I am able ever able to try to, you know, outmaneuver like you know, systems, which are set up to, you know, in some cases, you know, keep me out. So, you know, I, I think that having a network is a very, very um, important part of, you know, doing anything in this space anymore. You know, I, I recommend um, as much as possible for people to try to develop their community and to, you know, increase their own brand, um, you know, so that they can be able to do more and get further, you know, with less uh, friction. Yeah. The networking thing is big for me too. I just, it's like getting past the recruiting or HR firewall because you don't, sometimes people write these job descriptions really don't have much of a clue about the position. And if your keywords aren't matching, it's hard to get called for an interview. Uh, back several years ago, I applied for a job at Bank of America 
I spent five years consulting as a pen tester, had the OSCP, the, the uh, SANS GWAPT cert, applied at Bank of America, and it took me a year to hear back from them. But around the same time, I applied at U.S. Bank. I met someone at an OWASP meeting, and they said their company was hiring. I sent them my resume. They forwarded on to the hiring manager. And shortly after, I got an interview, uh, went to the interview and got hired. And Bank of America took me like a year to hear back from them. And I was more than qualified for the job. But it just goes to show you can have all the certs, all the qualifications. But if you don't, if you're not clicking all the buttons on that algorithm, you know, you're going to get missed. Yeah, that and that that that's crazy because like I feel like, you know, if my name was Philip Wiley, like I would just be like, you know, the only two questions that need to be asked is how much and when do I start? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, they they really shouldn't even have to like interview or ask you any questions like, you know, do you know who I am? Google me. <laughs> and then once you're done, you know, ask me how much I want and when I should start. But, you know, I, I think that that's the benefit of, of a network, you know, people having um, an understanding of who you are, and what it is that you're doing so that, you know, you don't have as much friction, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, somebody from Bank of America is like looking at this right now and like totally kicking themselves in the butt. Like we could have had this guy and we played games. And that's the layer people don't think about just the, the application software where you upload whatever recruiting software or application software they use uploading to that. And the recruiters and HR people, they don't know the security community. They really don't know the skill set. So it's, you know, there's people that can be perfect for the job, but they, they wouldn't know it. Just overlook it, you know, so definitely getting the resume in the hands of people that you know is is very helpful wow that's amazing um i i i wouldn't think that you would have to to go through those types of issues but i i mean i guess that's the kind of like the downside of of ats systems it's kind of like you know they have no idea like you know who people are or the the context that goes behind you know the work that someone does to be able to understand like their ability to be able to do a job so um but you know again that's i think part of like my, my issue with these types of systems and why we need to get more diversity, you know, in areas such as, you know, algorithm development and data science and learning and machine learning, because, you know, we need more diversity so that, you know, people can take things into consideration that are not, you know, prescriptive and like, you know, meeting a checkbox, you know, and, and I'm sure you probably meet all of the checkboxes. So I, I can't even begin to explain, you know, why, but, you know, I know it happens. And I think cybersecurity, especially when you get into offensive security, is not very understood. I mean, especially offensive security is a very misunderstood area. You know, there's people in cybersecurity that don't, don't understand it. So it's, you know, kind of makes sense that it's difficult to recruit for those areas. Yeah. And I, I think there's always also a, um, a difference between like what the hiring managers um, are expecting and then what the, you know, the level of knowledge that the recruiters have. Because you know, um, during the, you know, early years of the pandemic, we were very much so big into uh, Clubhouse. And on Clubhouse, all of the hiring managers were like, you know, I look at all the resumes that come to me and I do this and, you know, I would check in. And, you know, at the same time, they're probably only getting, you know, a very small percentage of the resumes that actually make it through the recruiters, you know. So it's like for as much as hiring managers saying that they're going to be different, you know, there's still a layer of uh, to get through you know, for people to get their resumes actually to those people, um, you know, which is why, you know, I think a lot of quali very qualified people don't actually get interviewed or don't actually get really considered 
because they're not hitting, you know, whatever those, those check boxes are. Yeah, very, very true. So, uh, kind of the step back a little bit, how did you kind of get your start? So how did you get started in cybersecurity? Um, so I have, um, spent most of my career in, um, quality assurance. Um, I did, uh, electrical computer engineering in, um, school. Um, and for me, the, I mean, I think the short answer is share the mic in cyber. Um, I was looking for a position and I saw through the, um, the email group that there was a position open for a penetration tester. So I applied to it. Um, and, um, I got accepted. Um, and it worked out that the, the gentleman that interviewed me, he was like, you know, Hey, I'm kind of familiar with your work. And, you know, we are looking for people. And, you know, when I lack in, you know, technical skills, um, cause I was very much so self-taught in terms of like ethical hacking. Cause, you know, I, I went to school for computer engineering. So, you know, not, um, when I went to school, we very much so didn't have, you know, hacking curriculum. You know, there wasn't even really a thing such as that that was being taught in education. Um, so, you know, whatever I lacked in, um, you know, technical skills, I think I made up for just having client facing experience, just being in consulting for, you know, so many years. So, you know, I can talk to clients, I can get things done, I can do the reporting, the readouts. So, you know, it was just a matter of me actually doing the the technical thing. So, you know, I got the, the GW8, the GWAP, just what I call it, but, <laughs> and I'm working on the, the G pen now. Um, but, you know, it was through share the mic and cyber, you know, which was, you know, hey, we're we're making a concerted effort to try to hire more diverse candidates. Um, and it just happened that one of the hiring manager was on that that distribution list and, you know, interviewed me and in, like what it was I was trying to do. So it worked out for me. A very cool story. So I wasn't aware of how you got started. So I always lo- love to hear my guest stories on on how they got into the industry. So as far as those that are trying to get started, what would you recommend if someone wants to get into pen testing? Um, I I would tell them do do not absolutely take the route that I I took um, because I took a very roundabout um, path. Um, I mentioned that I'm very much so self taught. Um, I did um, try hack me, hack the box, um, you know, all of those types of things to try to teach myself you know, how to do ethical hacking, um, did a lot of capture the flags, things of that nature. Um, but, you know, I kept going back to school because I was like, I felt like I needed more hands-on skills. Um, I would, you know, when I actually did good callback for interviews, they were like, well, we're looking for somebody with more hands-on experience, right? But it was like one of those things, you know, how do you get experience without actually having experience? Um, so, you know, I would go back to school to try to get more hands-on experience. And, you know, I went and did a degree in um, cybersecurity and digital forensics, um, hoping that those would be um, more, you know, hands-on. But, you know, they weren't really teaching the skills that you needed to do, you know, basically ethical hacking. So, you know, having come from a, um, a software testing background, you know, I was well aware of how to break things, you know. Um, so I, I understood the methodology as far as like how to approach it. But, you know, the more technical skills, like, you know, it was more so just like, you know, me getting in and just practicing. So, you know, I tell people now, like, you know, hey, the 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 way to do it is not to go and get five master's degrees. It's to actually, you know, put put in the time, you know, practice in the gym, um, you know, whether that's try hack me, hack the box. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Ports Figure Academy, um, but we um, with Black Girls have, have got like a whole lot of different um uh, partners that we work with that have cloud-based training that allow you to basically be able to do that. Because the other thing that I tell people is, 
you know, when they'll try to do things like maybe set up like VirtualBox or VMware on their machines, they find that um, their machines don't have the computing power, the RAM, whatever it is to be able to, you know, support, you know, running multiple VMs to be able to, you know, practice yourself. So, you know, that's why I'm very big on like cloud-based um, platforms because, you know, I kind of want to remove some of those financial barriers to entry of, you know, having a computer that has enough RAM to be able to support, you know, simple things like running a Chrome browser at the same time as, you know, VMware. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that, that's pretty much how I suggest is that, you know, people basically just practice, put in the, the hours, you know, spend time, you know, as much time as, you know, I watch bad TV. I try to, you know, equal that to, um, you know, actually practicing, you know, breaking into boxes, checking out new technologies, check, you know, reading documentation um, for software to try to, you know, make sure that I'm just better at my, my job. So for someone wanting to get started, does it, in your opinion, does it require a degree or a certification? Um, I'd say degree, not so much. I, I see a lot of um, employers that are making an effort to reduce the barriers to entry. So one of those being um, a bachelor's degree. Um, I had a professor um, at, um, in my first uh, cybersecurity master's who did not have um, you know, a PhD. He did not have master's degrees. He just said, you know, he had, you know, X number of decades in the, 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 the field, you know, he had the ability to be able to do the job and he learned some of my favorite people, um, don't have degrees. So, you know, I think it's very, um, some of my favorite hacker people, I should probably say, don't have, um, degrees. Um, and I don't think that you necessarily need them. I think, um, in the absence of having work experience, you you need certifications, I think, kind of to get you into the door. Um, if you're a government contractor like I was for so many years, you, you know, need a security plus basically just to, you know, get into the front door. But, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of other um, certifications like EJPT, the Certified Ethical Hacker, OSCP. Um, SANS has a couple of ones that they have through some diversity programs that end up making them, you know, pretty much free. Um, there's a lot of different certifications that, you know, help to show that you've got, you know, some level of proficiency in absence of having um, experience. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and, you know, I've noticed a few years back, like the big four consulting companies finally got away, did away with the four-year degree requirement. So people are starting to see, because you think about the shortage of people in the industry, you know, if we just if you wait till everyone gets four-year degrees and gets certifications, you're 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 kind of uh, making things more difficult on yourself to find, you know, qualified candidates for the jobs. So it's good to see that people are not requiring that anymore because you know, as you mentioned before, you know, some of the the best hackers you know don't have degrees, and that's the case, you know, and and so much. I think I think colleges are good myself, but sometimes the things that you spend in college, if you're wanting to work in cybersecurity art appreciation, music appreciation, those things really aren't going to, going to help you, but, but it's definitely good to see. And, and it always interesting to hear people's opinions on the degrees, whether you need that or certifications. And, and it's good to see that people are getting into the field without the certifications too. And I think that goes back to the networking. You do a good job in networking and you can do the job, then you don't necessarily have to have always have the certifications. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there are people who um, do an amazing job of, you know, getting into the industry by doing things like, you know, writing up walkthroughs, you know, which basically shows the reporting piece, um, 
basically talking through, you know, the vulnerabilities and, you know, how they, you know, basically are breaking into systems like through like YouTube or Twitch or whatever, you know, there's a lot of people who can use that information to basically demonstrate proficiency that doesn't require certification and, um, or a degree, but you kind of need somebody to listen to you at that point, which was why I think it's important to have a network and to have people who are willing to, you know, use their social capital to basically vouch for you to be able to get a job, right? Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, without hitting those checkboxes, the, you know, the ATS systems will shoot you down at the door. Um, but I think that, you know, there are a lot of different ways for people who, if they're creative, can, you know, I think get around that. Um, you know, I, the the biggest holdout in my mind was the government, um, you know, who has, you know, hey, you need a four-year degree or, hey, you need, you know, X years of experience and you need, you know, this certification. Um, and I think that, you know, they're taking strides, um, you know, recently to try to take a look at the way that the workforce hiring in cybersecurity is 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 done. You know, and I'm hoping that through, you know, some of the things like the the RFI that they put out, um, I think it was last month, you know, that they'll, you know, basically reconsider, you know, the qualifications, the checkbox type things that they have for people who are trying to to get into the cybersecurity space because there are some amazingly qualified people who maybe don't have certifications or who don't have um, a degree. That's great. So what do you, what are your opinions? Because people are always asking me, uh, that are wanting to get started in the field. Do you have to know how to code to to work in cybersecurity or to be a, a pen tester? So what what's your opinion on that? Um, I don't think that you have to know how to code, but I, I think that you do know have to you do have to know what it is that you're looking for. You have to understand, you know, what it is that you're um, you know, what the code is trying to 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 accomplish. Um I think that the biggest difference for me between like the theoretical hacking world that exists on like cloud-based platforms um, and then like the real world is that they don't just want you to identify the vulnerabilities. They want you in many cases to suggest a mitigation for it. Right. So, you know, part of that is, you know, Hey, how do you be able to, how do you able to identify, you know, where in the code that this cross-site scripting happens or, you know, what, um, you know, failure to sanitize or whatever, you know, how that is, you know, reflected in the code, what they should be looking for. Right. So I, I don't think that you necessarily need to be a developer per se, but I, I think that you need to be able to understand what's going on. You know, so, you know, I probably at this point in my life cannot, you know, knock out, you know, like, a, you know, an app or something like that for, you know, maybe a Twitter, you know, but, you know, I know enough to be able to identify what it is that I'm looking for and, and figure out, you know, what's going on. And I think that's probably more important than actually knowing how to, to code. I really feel like, you know, hey, you have to be a developer is one of those like gatekeepy things. Um, there are probably some people who, you know, need to know how to do that. But, you know, in, in the day to day as a pen tester, I don't necessarily think that you need to know how to code. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that because, you know, one of the things that's happened is the tools have gotten so good that you, there's a lot of cases you don't have to know how to code because even when I got in, because I got into pen testing back in, in 2012, but even then, there were a lot of tools that you really didn't have to know how to code, but, you know, going further back, I could see where people did at one time have to be able to write their own tools and code to, to be able to code, write scripts and automate things, but now you don't. So that's good because one of the things I tell people a lot of times too, is even if you're wanting to learn how to code, don't wait until you learn how to code to get into, you know, start learning to be a pen tester because what happens then is you get frustrated and give up on coding or either you're taking all this time to learn how to code 
And then you've already burned up a year or two that you could have been spending, you know, learning to pen test and or actual time in the field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, you know, um, it does make your life a little bit more efficient, especially in terms of like, you know, automation and kind of like making scripts to, you know, reduce the amount of manual, manual things that you're doing. You know, I think a lot of the things that we do, especially in the very beginning phases, um, are, you know, repetitive, right? And, you know, can therefore our candidates, you know, for development for us to put out something. But, you know, it's very much so possible for you to just do it, you know, by, you know, manually to actually kick off your in-map scans or whatever else enumeration that you're doing um, that doesn't require tools. So, you know, again, but I, I think that you have to have an understanding of what the job actually entails. That's not necessarily a prescriptive. You have to meet these checkboxes. A couple of, a couple of things you mentioned earlier. One of, the, one of the first things I want to touch on is you mentioned branding and, you know, personal branding can be so helpful. I mean, I've seen people and people that are just got started out, they got in quicker because they really had a good, good brand and some of the things they were doing. So what are your recommendations on, on building a personal brand that would help you get into the, into cybersecurity? Um, I tell people, um, on an almost daily basis to work on their personal brand. Um, even if you are not a people person and I am not a people person, like I could probably, you know, be okay with avoiding humans the rest of my life. Um, but I still tell people that it's important that you, you know, make sure that other people know what it is that you're doing and what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And the re reason being is that, you know, there are so many people who have in my career over the past few years that I've been running Black Girls Hat who have been able to put me into rooms that otherwise I would have never been able to get into. You know, people who said, hey, do you know what Black Girls Hack is doing? Or do you know what Tanisha is doing? Um, you know, and without access to those rooms, you know, I wouldn't be able to be able to do those opportunities. So I, I think it's very important, um, especially in the clubhouse days where we were basically, you know, on the calls, you know, probably several days a week. I would tell people, you know, tell people what it is, you know, during your 30 seconds or whatever that you're, you have the mic, tell people what it is that you're trying to do. You know, what it is that you're trying to, you know, whether that be like, hey, I'm trying to get a job in cloud or, hey, I'm trying to get a job in pen testing, you know, let people know because then, you know, when they see jobs in cloud or they see jobs in pen testing, they'll say, hey, someone's hiring at this particular place. You know, maybe you might be a good fit. Let me introduce you to somebody. So, you know, I think that without people knowing what it is that you're trying to do, um, you're not going to be able to get that, you know, word of mouth and just to places that you're physically there yourself. So. You know, I, as much as possible, be, you know, will tell people like, hey, you know, I do this thing called Black Girls Hack. And, you know, it'll be rain of people who are being like, you know, hey, um, you know, my the lady who does my hair, she'll be like, you know, one of my clients is she does cybersecurity. So you, know, you might want to reach out to her or, you know, somebody who just randomly will tell somebody, you know, hey, come and talk to me um, because I may have no you know, opportunities that can help wherever it is that you're trying to go. Um, and, you know, for me, you know, I, whenever people are telling me like, Hey, you know, this is what it is I'm trying to do as much as I, you know, tell people I have ADD, um, I try to tell, you know, keep in the back of my mind, like what it is like, you know, oh, this person was looking for something. I need to go back and see who that person was so I can tell them about the opportunity. Um, because that, you know, I think widens the net for what it is that they're able to do and where they're able to reach. So what do you think, what are your opinions on some of the best platforms, because we, you know, we kind of touched on like the organization and some of the others. What are some good uh, social media platforms that you'd recommend for people to connect with others and to help 
further their uh, goals and ambitions is in, into getting into cybersecurity? Um, I, I think the number one for me is uh, LinkedIn, um, just because that is, you know, I think when you're on LinkedIn, first and foremost, in your mind is about employment and job related things, because that's kind of like how they're marketed. Um, the next I would have probably have said was would have been Twitter. Um, I They're kind of questionable, just given everything that's going on right now. But I mean, I think it's still, you know, before whatever its fate is. Um, happens. I think it's a good place now just for communicating. Um, I've heard people say that, um, you know, some of the alternatives, I think it's called, um, Mastodern or something like that. Um, um, that, you know, that's a good place for getting, you know, cybersecurity related news. Um, but, you know, if you are just trying to raise your profile, your own personal brand, um, nothing beats like Twit, Twitch and YouTube. Um, as far as like, you know, just getting yourself out there, put out, um, you know, walkthroughs. Um, a lot of folks put their, um, write-ups on Medium, if, if not your own website. Um, you know, those are some of the ways that I would recommend people. Um, and then, you know, anybody that will listen, tell them what it is that you're trying to do. You know, tell them what your world domination plan is because you will find that people will be very receptive and, you know, are willing to, like I said, use their social capital to, you know, help you to achieve whatever your goal is. Great, great advice. So we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there anything that we didn't discuss that you'd like to share or any shout outs you'd like to give to anyone? Um, no, I thank you for, for having us on here. Um, we are, um, as always for black girls hack looking for, you know, sponsors for um, the organization and for girls hack village, we would like to be able to bring girls hack village back to defcon 31 so we are looking for sponsors for that um as always if you're looking to increase the diversity within your organizations and you're looking to hire people we've got a lot of folks who are towards the entry to middle part of their careers they're looking for positions um so like if you have jobs and you're trying to increase your diversity please feel free to reach out to us and um my um dms are open in on linkedin so please feel free if you're trying to get into cybersecurity to connect with me you don't have to be black or a woman um you know i connect with anybody who's um not trying to sell me certifications um <laughs> and um am willing to help um anybody take over the world so you know please feel free to to reach out and like i said i just thank you for you know sharing your platform with me for today and um using your social capital for something i'm very passionate about well, it's an honor I, I love helping others and especially when i can you know partner up with others that have that same goal in mind. I love it. And I just really like what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing for the community and for the world. I mean, if everyone, you know, did what you did, the, the world would be a lot better place. So thanks for doing that. And we'll be sharing your social media platforms on here as well as your organization. So people can find Black Girls Hacks and the social media platforms for that as well. So thanks again. And I appreciate you joining. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.